How is it that the months of summer have half as many days as all the rest of the months of the year? This has been the fastest summer on record, without a doubt. I don't know what day it was supposed to have started. I don't know what day it's supposed to end, but it seems like it has already ended. And uh, I don't know what's going on with the uh, with summertime, but it's getting shorter and shorter. I don't think I've even been here. It doesn't feel like I've been here much. In fact, I have to say, the, the fact is, this has probably been the hardest summer on me that I can remember ever. Um, as you know, I have been gone, it seems like, many Sundays, and half the time it's been because I've been doing a funeral somewhere. In some cases, because it was a family member or whatever. And it's just been... Um, it's just been difficult, uh, you know, this whole summer of being gone for so long, so much, and a lot of it because of funerals. That's been a little bit frustrating. So, uh, you know, pray. F- I would appreciate your prayers because things are, uh, things are coming back together for me a bit, but it's been a difficult time for sure. And maybe if we pray hard enough, we'll even get some more days of summer, and that would be really nice. A few weeks ago, uh, Del Ason came by the building and he went out into the parking lot here, cleaned up the parking lot, did a whole bunch of uh, weed whacking in addition to cleaning up the parking lot. About two weeks later, Ron and Chris Bailey came to the building, cleaned up the parking lot, and did a whole bunch of weed whacking and made sure that everything that Dell had done was done again, which was perfect. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Del Ason, or not Del Ason, uh, Daryl Bean came and cleaned up the parking lot and did some weed whacking and did it all again. And it, and it really needed to be done. I was grateful that all three times those guys came and did what they did. In addition to that, two weeks ago, Daryl Bean took one of our alcoholic friends and he went to southern Alberta and spent a whole weekend with him with family. Daryl, his alcoholic friend, and his family, and they just spent the weekend together. And it was a rich weekend. On Wednesday of this last week, David and Shirley Lidbury came down and fed food to a number of people who were homeless, including, including again, some people who were addicted to various things. And it was a blessing in the lives of those people. For the last couple of weeks, people like Veronica Marshall and Jill Pollock have been working to make sure that their food for children who have already started their school years. And because they're already started back to school, there are children going to school with no lunches, and our church is providing lunches for those people. Last week, I sent out a message to our church family, and I said there is a family in Airdrie who has a child who's on life support and is not going to make it. And I put out a message and says, do you think we could please make some meals for those families, or for that family? Immediately, Ten families emailed me and said, yes, I can make food for this family, for this child who's on life support. Uh, They did eventually have to take the child off life support, and the child, of course, did not make it. And I did their funeral this last week. I say all that to say that our church family is doing a wonderful, amazing things in the name of the Lord Jesus, ministering in the way of of Jesus. And I am so grateful for those who consistently step up and do wonderful things in the name of Christ for those who are in our community. 
You know, last week, Carol Thompson was baptized. Carol, I wasn't here. I wish I could have been here for your baptism. That would have been wonderful. But as it was, you experienced that, and that was a great blessing. You know, I don't know all the people who made Carol's baptism a possibility. Certainly, the Earhart family had an awful lot to do with that. But I think of also people like Linda Ason, who consistently, is this not true, Carol? Linda Ason consistently picks up Carol and brings her, for example, to knitting. Does that on a regular basis on Tuesday afternoons or Tuesday mornings through the afternoon. And Carol or Linda is doing that when she isn't spending time with Laura King and discipling her in the name of Jesus. And so we've got people who are constantly doing ministry, constantly doing wonderful things in the name of Jesus. And some of it you don't know anything about. Some of it you hear about. Maybe I'll stand up or somebody else will and mention those things. But it's just so precious to know that people are doing things in the name of Christ, ministering to others. And all of that fits perfectly with where we've spent this summer. You look at this banner up here, ministering in the way of Jesus. We'll take that down the next week and come up with our new theme or put the banner up for our new theme. But it has been rich and wonderful to look at the ways in which Jesus ministers to the people that are around him and the call that's there for us to minister in the name of Jesus. I get excited to think that we have a church family of people who are ministering to others in the name of Christ. And all I have to do is send out an email and say, there's a family that needs some food. And, And just like that, 10 families will email me and say, I'll take food to those people. I know that today there's a family taking food to those people. Yesterday there was a family that took food to those people. And they are grateful. We don't even know them. At least most of us don't. I have an extended kind of church family relationship with those folks, but most of you have no clue who those people are, and you still minister to them in the name of Christ, and they are so grateful. That young mother who lost one of her three children is at this point in her life single, trying to take care of the other two now in the absence of the youngest one, and we have blessed her. Thank you for blessing her the way that you have. I want you, if you would, to look at these passages with me. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, and Matthew 9, 35. The first one, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. That's in 423. That starts a section in the Gospel of Matthew depicting the life of Jesus, ministering and serving others. And I want you to notice the language in 935, which comes right after it on the screen. And notice how these words are almost identical. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Those words, 423 and 935, are almost exact. And I'll tell you, that is purposeful on the part of the gospel writer. Matthew does this to show us what is at the heart of the ministry of Jesus. And in between 423 and 935, what you find Jesus doing is just exactly what those passages say. And so you'll find in Matthew chapter 5, for example, the Sermon on the Mount begins. And so in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is found teaching. You look at the rest of the, that verse or those, that section, I should say, and you've got Jesus preaching the kingdom and healing sicknesses and disease among the people. That's what Matthew 4.23 through Matthew chapter 9 are all about, and those two passages indicate to us what's Jesus doing. But then I want you to notice verses 36, 38 or so after that. Look at this. When he saw the crowds, 
He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And that really is what we've been talking about this summer. It's not just the ministry of Jesus and the way in which he has been ministering, but there's also in this a call to us. And the gospel writer here tells us specifically what it is that call is about. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then there is this request on the part of Jesus for his disciples to do something. Look what Jesus calls them to do. He specifically says to the disciples, I want you to pray. I want you to ask the Lord of the harvest, the one who is in control of the harvest, I want you to pray to him. And when you pray, I want you to specifically ask that there might be more workers. This is like in John 17 when Jesus is praying for the apostles. And then he says, uh, down in the middle of the chapter, he says, I pray not only for them, but I pray for those who are going to believe through their message. And so we find Jesus praying. We find the disciples praying. And when they pray, they are specifically praying for you and for me. They're praying for the church. They're praying for the church that's going to come in the future and minister in the name of Jesus. Jesus wants the church to work in his name. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. And church, here is part of the message this morning. We can no longer be few. As part of the answer to the prayer of the disciples, as part of the answer of the prayer of Jesus, there has to be more people working and ministering in the name of Christ. We have so much work to do. There is so much that needs to be done in our world. You know, yesterday, I hope you don't think badly uh, of me of this. I hope you get the context for it. Yesterday evening, Robin was actually downstairs. I was upstairs. I was watching, flipping through some channels. The football game that I wanted to watch wasn't on. And so I'm flipping through the channels. And all of a sudden, I found some naked bodies on television. Um, It was about, I don't know, 6.30 in the evening or something like that. And I, I, I looked at that for a moment, and I thought to myself, this world needs help. <laughs> like, if that's what's going to be on television at 6.30 in the evening, then, like we so often say, what are things coming to? Like, what is going on that this is happening? And what's happening is simply, we live in a broken world. We live in a broken society. We live in a world in which everybody needs the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need so badly to be that few who turns into a many, who takes the good word of Jesus to the world and ministers in his name. Now, I've just told you that Jesus in 423 and 935 calls us to exactly this. I want to show you something else. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Turn there in your Bibles, page 688, if you're looking at the, at the Bibles underneath the seats. But if you're in your own, 
This is where Jesus actually sends out the disciples to minister in his name. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 says, Jesus called his disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, now look at that. If you're looking at your text, look at that and see what it is that the disciples are called to do. They're going to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. That sounds an awful lot like what Jesus was doing in 423 and 935. Then look at verse 5. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely give. Do you notice the parallel there? Do you see the link between what Jesus says for us to do and what he himself was doing? In 423, it says he was teaching in the synagogues, preaching the kingdom, and healing all the diseases of the people. Here, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sends out the disciples and he tells them to do exactly what it is that he himself has been doing. And the point is, you're going to move me forward, Willow, please. The 12 are given the mandate to minister in the same ways that Jesus was ministering. Exactly. They're told to go and do exactly what Jesus was doing. He calls them to do not something different, not something monumental beyond themselves that they can't do, but the very kind of things that Jesus himself has been doing. That strikes me as significant. And especially when I read in the Gospel of Luke that this is not just the ministry for the 12. Now I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10. Look at Luke chapter 10, page 734. Look what this says. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Does that sound familiar? Absolutely it does. He's just asked the disciples to pray about that. He's asked the disciples to pray that others might be sent out, that more workers would come, and now there's 72. This is not just for the 12. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. I'm not sure much has changed on that one. And then verse 8. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. It's the same message. It's the same ministry. But when you enter a town or not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe off from our feet as a warning to you. Let it be, yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus and his ministry gets carried out now among 72 who are sent by him to do the very thing that he was doing. And again, the call comes to the church today to do the very kind of things that Jesus was doing. So what we see is an ever-widening circle of those who are about the task of ministry. 
It's growing. It's getting bigger. You know, we might say, well, it started with the 12. They were sent out. They were apostles. They were special. They were supposed to do what Jesus wanted them to do. But that was a, that was a certain group of people specially appointed by God. Well, it's true. They were specially appointed by God. But when the 72 are sent out, all of a sudden the ministry expands. Clearly, it's not just the 12. It's not just these special ones appointed by God with this special role who are supposed to minister in his name. But everyone now, it seems to me, as this expands and continues to expand throughout the book of Acts, we find everyone involved in the ministry of Jesus doing the very things that Jesus calls them to do and does himself. And then I want you to notice one last thing, which I think is especially cool. Look at verse 17 in Luke 10. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And I don't know if there's a more exciting passage in the book of Acts than that one when it comes to talking about ministry and the chance that we have to do wonderful things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because we are not in this alone. God is behind us. God is blessing us. God is strengthening us. When I think about what Linda Ason does in the name of the Lord Jesus, which, folks, honestly, it's a lot. It is monumental. Linda's not here this morning, so I can just embarrass her she doesn't care because she can't hear this. She won't hear, maybe she'll hear the message later. She can be embarrassed by herself in her own bedroom or something. This morning, let me just tell you, she is a great servant of Christ. I see her ministering constantly in so many ways. How is it that she does that? Does Linda do that on her own power? Does she do that by herself? Or all the things that Linda does for Carol Thompson and for a host of others and the time she spends with Laura King? Well, does Linda do that on her own? Of course not. Linda is empowered by the Holy Spirit to minister in the name of Jesus. He enables her. That's the only way demons can be cast out. We've read passages earlier in this series that talked about it. Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. He finds the disciples trying to heal somebody, trying to cast a demon out of a boy. They can't do it. Jesus says, finally, this can only happen through prayer. And what he really means is this has to happen through a special relationship with God, where God blesses specifically this ministry and empowers it. With that kind of God dependence, something powerful can happen. And that's what happens in Linda's life. Linda is able to do the things she does in the name of the Lord Jesus because she's empowered by him with a God dependency. And from what I can tell, when the 72 are sent out and when the rest of the book of Acts takes place and records the ministry of the church, it's available to us all. It's not just the 72, certainly not just the 12, certainly not the elders, not just the ministers. Everyone who serves Jesus Christ has access to the same power to minister in his name and to do wonderful things in his name, the kind of transforming things that will move a society in a direction that God wants it to go. As people's lives and hearts are changed by God. And so if anything has taken place this summer, as we've talked about ministering in the way of Jesus... I hope it's that you've captured some vision for what it is 
that Jesus wants us to be about. And today, I hope you catch a vision for the fact that he wants us to do these things in his name like he did with the same kind of power available to us, the same kind of power where even the demons submit in your name. That kind of power available to us to minister in his name. You know, I've mentioned earlier, we have a luncheon. We know this. We've talked about this many times. There's a luncheon that we serve every Wednesday to a number of people. And, and as the winter develops, as fall goes on and winter develops, it'll be a lot more than it is right now. It gets colder and they start wanting a hot meal and they come in on Wednesdays. It's going to happen more. There is the potential with every one of those people and then so many more with whom you come in contact to see their lives changed. And isn't that what God wants? Doesn't God want to see the lives of everyone around us changed for him, become in line with his will, give their hearts and their lives to him? He has called us to that ministry. It may be that there have been times in the past when the number of workers has been few. But it's time for the prayer to be answered. For the not to just be a few who are committed to serving in his name in a way that's changing lives but that there be many. And so I, my prayer is that this fall, as we initiate a new season together, and let me remind you, next Sunday, fall launch, we'll go back to two services, a service at 8.50, a service at 11.10. In between next week, we'll have a special kind of, um, not a brunch, but finger foods. And then the next week, we'll go back to Bible classes in between. Our fall starting, as we move into fall, I, I pray that you ask the question about whether or not your life is answering the prayer of Jesus, the prayer of the disciples. Are you committing yourself to be not just watching a few, but participating with many in a community-changing, world-changing kind of ministry where lives are given over to Jesus because they've heard from us the good news of the kingdom and are thereby receiving the healing that only Jesus can provide. He wants to see that happen and he wants to see this group of people he wants to see us answering that prayer. Oh, I pray we do. Let's pray. Lord, the prayer for there to be workers sent into a harvest field, it's been one that you've been praying for a long time. And there are times, there are places, ways in which you have answered that prayer and there have been those who've gone out and ministered in wonderful ways in your name. Lord, we have a, a chance again with the coming of 
of fall to be reactivated, refocused, to put our attention back on serving you with all our lives. God, I thank you for all those in our church who serve so diligently and so wonderfully with such commitment, making such sacrifices, putting themselves out there, ministering in your name. I just praise you for all those people. But I pray, God, that we could, that we could do that even more. I pray that you would up the ante here, that we would be blessed by you through your spirit to become ministering in even more powerful ways than we do now. And so, in whatever ways, we need to, to refocus Put our priorities, Father, on that ministry to which you called us. Help us to do so. Let there be nothing that stands in the way. We pray that your spirit would come and fill us and push those things out of our lives, out of our minds that would distract us and help us to be single-focused on your ministry. And Father, we pray for a harvest, a bountiful, rich harvest as we give ourselves to you. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.